Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. So we have some exciting news. Um, We are going to be doing a new interactive podcast episode where we talk about UFO interactions with you, the listener. You can go ahead and check out, listed in the bio, I have a number you can call, leave a message, and I can take that and put it on air or transcribe it, or you can email. So check the bio, give us a call. We're going to be putting in this information probably in the next week or two or maybe a month, depending on how people are going to call. So call in if you have any questions about UFOs. If you have any things you would like for me to answer on UFOs, or if you have any theories on UFOs, and if you have any um, first-hand, second-hand, any interaction, please give a call. Thank you, and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go in-depth on a multitude of topics. If you're new to this podcast, originally I was doing a podcast for 365 days, and now I'm pursuing things that interest me as it relates to topics that have to do with anything you can potentially think of and today we're going back to the story of ufos i want you to take a thought whenever we think about aliens and ufos it's really interesting to put a there's you can't really put a time cap on it i've covered a lot of different stories within my podcast breaking down things from um, ufo interactions that happened around the 1600s to situations that occur within the United States into going in detail for the story that happened within um, Virginia. Sorry. And and today I have an interesting story as it relates to the Soviet Union. So let's get into it. Voronezh UFO landing is a fascinating event which reportedly took place in Voronezh, Russia in 1989 involves an alleged UFO landing and the appearance of extraterrestrial beings witnessed by multiple people. So whenever we look at the Voronezh UFO landing happening around 1989 in November in the Soviet Union, what we have to understand is it's a really interesting time. I mean, we're right there close to the collapse of the Soviet Union. Um, The USSR is presumably believed not to believe in ufos there's rumors that it's a western construct so whenever we look at the Voronezh um situation it's one that is unlike any other and it captivated the world in 1989 and it was in the news and it was a really interesting time because you know potentially you know there was there was soviet union the great red scare if you can put it into context and having a situation like this, telling a story like this really captivated the world in a way um, other than what we see in the news of potentially being scared of what Russia could do. In November 1999, Soviet attitudes on UFOs became abundantly clear. The official news agency TASS reported on the alleged landing of an alien ship in the city of Voronezh, a 10-hour train ride north of Moscow. According to TASS, tall aliens and a robot exited the spaceship, walked around the park, and then left. The story was reported in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and on Network News. 
None of these major media outlets had their own reporters on the scene, so most chose the approach they normally take with UFO story. Earlier tonight, the CBS Evening News with Dan Rather included a report about the alleged alien landing at Voronish. Rather, Riley commented on the Soviet claims about 10-foot-tall aliens walking around a Russian park. The CBS newsman added, don't believe everything you read in TASS. Within days, the Voronish story assumed almost surreal proportions. American headlines chortled about pinhead aliens. Follow-up stories claimed that the only witnesses to the landing were young children. And because the tall aliens described were different from the usual short, bug-eyed variety Americans hear about, it was smugly assumed the Russians must be wrong. Prominent astrophysicist Jacques Vallée was one of few Westerners to personally investigate the case by meeting with Russian sources firsthand. In Voronezh, there were many cases, not just the case that made the newspapers, not just the case that was re reported by TASS with the, 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 the school students. The witnesses were not just kids, they were 18, 19 year old kids, very articulate, and obviously they had seen something, there were physical traces there, but there were many other cases, there are over a thousand witnesses in all in the city of Voronezh. Voronezh is a large city, it's over a million people. Uh, what they showed me was, uh, you know, the film, the physical evidence, they told me about the cases in which, for example, an object hovered near a, a nuclear power plant in Voronezh and a beam from that object melted the asphalt there and that's what they are studying now. The story Americans read was much different from what the witnesses say happened at Voronezh. Those are odd cases. I mean when you hear that like there's something really interesting about it and normally my audio clips aren't that long but that does such a good job of summing up what happened in Voronezh. Originally I was doing some research on um, a topic within the U.S. Air Force and it kind of sidewinded and pushed me into this story and I found it to be very, very fascinating. Now, whenever we look at the news article, I actually have it here from the New York Times. I'm going to go ahead and read it with you. Bear with me as I read it. It goes, it's not a joke or a hoax, nor a sign of mental instability, nor an attendance to drum up local tourism by drawing the curious, the Soviet, the Soviet press agency tasked insisted today discussing of what is called an extraterrestrial visit to southern Russia. Residents of the city of Voronezh insisted today that the lanky three-eyed extraterrestrial created had indeed landed in a local park and gone for a stroll that might seemingly fantastical report about the event carried out. Monday by the official press task is absolutely true. It was not only an optical illusion, said Luigi Madovanovich of Soronich. It was not an optical illusion. I'm sorry. The, distant, the, the district police station. He said on telephone the interview that it was landed on the UFO of September 27th. Lieutenant Madovanovich confessed that he had not actually seen the alien, but he said he saw the spaceship. It was certainly a body flying in the sky, moving, noise, moving noiseless at a very high speed and very low altitude. Anything is possible. To be honest, said the lieutenant, he was a little skeptical himself when he first saw the object. I thought I must be really tired, he said, but I rubbed my eyes and it didn't go away. Then I figured in this day and age, anything 
is possible. Using the senseless tone that he had lately infected once he stated tasks, the press agency took a moment of detail. The UFO landed in Varavajevich, a city which is 300 south of Moscow. According to TASS report today, the newspaper said two boys and a girl in a local school were in a park playing on the events of September 27th, when suddenly a half past six, there was a pink shining, um, a pink shining something in the sky and spotted a bottle, a ball of deep red color, about 10 yards in diameter. A crowd gathered and then could clearly see a hatch open in the lower part of a ball and a humming opened as a star silent boy. Now this is where it gets really interesting. A three-eyed creature about nine feet tall and dressed fashionably, all right, keep that in mind, in silver overalls and in bronze boots with a disc on its chest disappeared in the landing dispersed in the landing and came out with promenaded with accompanied by a robot. The aliens seemed to communicate with each other, producing the mysterious appearance of a shining tr um, triangle or pyramid that activated when the robot touched it. Terrifying a boy being screamed, but sharing of the alien shining eyes, Tess said the boy was silenced and paralyzed. And a brief disappearance, then three returned, but the time one of the harmonious of the humming hat. So there was a brief disappearance and then returned. So someone disappeared and then came back. Was looking like a gun in a tube, along with 10 feet in a direct of a 16-year-old boy. The boy whose name was not given in the report prominently vanished, but then reappeared after the alien embarked in the ball i mean i know i just like I'm, i read most of that just to indicate what was being said here but essentially whenever we look at this situation the aliens came down and it's a really unique um interaction one where we really don't hear about it and the american press did not think it was real because it didn't follow the same narrative as small aliens we have a nine foot alien with eyes on its head okay and a robot and whenever they came and interacted, they used some type of technology to disappear a child, and the child remains un remains nameless within this article. You know, so whenever we look at it, Tass was putting this together in this report, and this is the story that took off all over the world. Now, why is this interesting? It's interesting for a number of reasons. First and foremost, it's important to understand, like the nature of the Cold War in the Soviet Union, number one. Number two, the fact that you have such a different description of aliens is really fascinating because it doesn't comply with the normal green eye bug person. I mean, this sounds really interesting. I mean, we have a situation where there's an alien coming down and they're properly dressed. This is a whole different situation because the majority of times we have some type of um, interview or some type of testimony as it relates to aliens, we never get really them dressing up in a specific way. The first one is identifying the fact that there's a robot. Knowing that there's a robot is something in itself is an interesting data point. So it's something that you know a person can look at immediately 
and determine this is a robot, which I find really fascinating. And then you have a, a, an interaction, if you will. You have a close encounter or you have an encounter where a boy is disappeared for, for a short period of time and then reappear. And that person remains nameless. Now, within the article, it goes on to say they were interviewed by a doctor and the doctor said nobody needed any medical help, etc. But it leaves to the story there's an individual person who now 18 or 16 at the time would potentially be in their late to mid 50s, early 50s, have been disappeared into an alternate universe and then brought back. Where's that individual? That's the real question. So whenever we hear this UFO alien encounter, it really sparks a lot of thinking because it did take on, how did this story get so far so fast in a Soviet Union world? You know, TAS in itself, was the source of information. So the United States was re, um, 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 repurposing the story, but you had Jacques who was talking, who was a Western journalist, and he went there and he gave a different account of what was said in this article. You know, you hear him and you hear what he's saying, and it provides a lot more credibility potentially to the story. But whenever you read it through this lens of the New York Times, it seems outlandish and a little bit far-fetched to put forth the fact that there's clothes being worn, you know, a robot, and things of that nature. Now, I think what's really interesting about this encounter, if we are to put on a lens or your tinfoil hat or whatever you call it, and we speculate, you know, if this is an um, encounter, if you will, understanding the principal nature of it. If we have a situation like this, and I'm going to look at other Soviet Union UFO stories because they seem to be vastly different you know we look at what happened in Virgin Brazil and we can determine that that situation was really interesting as it relates to the crash I did a podcast on that and I caveated it with the David Grush story now if this is real and we have a situation like this what begs the difference how is the Soviet Union's getting a different type of UFO alien or the Russians that we normally know is there consistency is there different species? How many species are there? And which one is this? Number two, why are they testing some type of technology? I mean, this city has a million people. There was a thousand witnesses that determined it. And more than likely, if you went there today, you could probably find somebody. But the need to test technology to disappear someone and bring them back is a really strong question. And when I think about that, it really prompts the idea of technology. UFOs, spaceships, cover-ups. And it makes you wonder if there's some kind of arm race potentially taking place behind the scenes as it relates to possibly reverse engineering UFO technology. I was listening to Jamie, Jamie, James Corbell, and I think he had a really interesting uh, Humanity was about to be able to emerge into a new understanding of the fabric of our relationship to the universe around us, a, a new era of material science, I thought if, if these are ours, man, then then we got it, man. We're going to evolve to the point of non-destruction to humankind. But when I realized that we've been hiding this and criminally keeping the scientific community from collaborating by keeping these compartmentalized, I realized we haven't cracked it. Whoever cracks it first, they fucking win. There is no turning back. And I had a thought. What if all of these governments do have UFOs, spaceships, and they're trying to reverse engineer it, and we're kind of stuck 
at that point whenever they're trying to develop the nuclear bomb before it went off. And it's just really fascinating to think maybe that's why a lot of this stuff is being covered up. And that in itself is another piece of this UFO puzzle. Thank you for listening.